Each day I wake up, I give praise. I get on my face before him in worship. My thoughts each and every day is this. How can I please Jehovah today? I, I carry this over the course of the day. How can I advance his kingdom today? I think about this all day long. What can I do to advance his kingdom today? These are questions that I ask myself and I ponder. What can I say to advance his kingdom today? This is communications that I will have with people, whether it be my wife, whether it be my children, whether it be people that I interact with, wherever I may be. What platforms or tools can I use to advance his kingdom today? How do I use YouTube to advance his kingdom? How do I use Facebook to advance his kingdom? How do I use Twitter to advance his kingdom? How do I use my website to advance his kingdom? What about my phone when I'm talking on the phone? What about my text? How do I use my voice? What's coming out of my mouth? How am I, mon am I monitoring what I'm saying? Is what I'm saying advancing his kingdom? I look at the resources that I am a steward of, whatever that resource may be. My motivations each day is to use every tool, every resource in my arsenal to seek first and to advance his kingdom each and every day, looking for any and every opportunity to advance his kingdom without getting entangled in disputes entangled in arguments, entangled in debates, or distractions. I try to be keenly aware of the wiles and the schemes of the devil to get me sidetracked or to trap me. I work at avoiding contentious people, people with attitudes, areas where I lack understanding or knowledge. I try to be quick to hear when he speaks, slow to speak and giving an answer in response to something that comes at me before mentally inquiring of Jehovah how I should answer or respond. I work hard at which requires me being keenly aware of my own feelings, thoughts and attitudes about a matter I may be confronted with at any moment during the course of my day. I try hard not to rely on my past wisdom in any matter, knowing that each and every circumstance or issue I may be faced with at any moment of the day will require a now word and a now leading by the Holy Spirit. My goal each day and every day, all day long, is to be in tune with him that he may order my steps and give the words to speak in any given moment. In my short 62 years, here's what I've learned. I am an ambassador of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of men. I am a kingdom asset. The devil is real. The devil is an adversary who is in opposition to the agenda of the kingdom, both foreign and domestic, who uses each and every person who give place to him. People 
are not my adversary. Everyone around me have an agenda. They are trying to achieve and will use whomever they can to accomplish their agenda, including me. Kingdom-minded people can also have worldly agendas. During the course of my day, from start to finish, I must be focused on the kingdom of Jehovah and how to please him so that at the end of the day, when I assess and evaluate my day, and I do this every day, I know he is pleased with how I have conducted myself and represented him for that day. If there is anything I see in my assessment or evaluation of the day that is displeasing to him, I must get right with him and whomever before I go to bed. Tomorrow, I repeat, just like the ant, get up. Next day, get up. Some may say that's boring. Well, that's what Yeshua did. And his life wasn't boring. At least it doesn't look like it was boring. But every day, he was constantly focused on the agenda of the kingdom. Every day, even if you have a job, understanding the kingdom and the requirements of a kingdom citizen you're going to be the best employee or the best boss or you're going to work at being the best employee or the best boss. Why? Because even though you may be serving in this capacity, you represent him. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the gospel according to Matthew. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. This week, we explore Yeshua's teaching on money, worries, and kingdom righteousness. In this portion of Yeshua's teaching to the multitude, he challenges his listeners to confront the issues that get in the way and hinder their faith in Yehovah. Yeshua's teaching covered a wide variety of topics such as blessings, the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees, charity, prayer, forgiving, and fasting. Yeshua focused on their personal issues, which they are powerless to change, and appeal to them to seek the one who can make changes in their lives. The message title in this podcast is Money, Worries, and Kingdom Righteousness. So, let's study. So again, today we're going to be talking about money, worries, and kingdom righteousness. And again, 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 I want you to, to encourage you to make sure uh, you take some good notes and we will be making the PowerPoint available to you. <clears throat> now, we know that <clears throat> money is something we all need. How many of you don't need any money? I mean, if you don't need any money, then then this message is, is not for you. But if, if you have any need for money or resources, then I encourage you to really uh, pay attention. So money is something we all need. Why? 
Because money solves issues under heaven. Money doesn't solve any issues in heaven. Father, there, there is the, the currency of heaven is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Almighty. And with faith, those who come to him must come in faith and believe that he is and that he rewards them that diligently seek him. Money doesn't resolve anything in heaven. No matter how much money you accumulate over the course of your life, no one has been able to successfully take any of it with them. Money is a currency. It is used in the kingdom of men to accomplish the things in us, to provide the things that we need in the kingdoms of this world. But money does not help us when it comes down to the kingdom of heaven, other than advancing the kingdom of heaven's message here in the earth. Yeshua is addressing this crowd of individuals. The Bible says there are a multitude of individuals who have come from the Decapolis, from Galilee, from Judea, from the other side of the Jordan. And there are all of these individuals who have come and they're sitting and they're listening to what Yeshua speak about and he deals with a variety of areas and now he's about to transition to the area of money and this is really what he's talking about he says in verse number 19 Matthew chapter 6 lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal now, when I think about it, and I actually did a Google search, the most secure place where the gold of America is held is a place called Fort Knox. And in all of the history of Fort Knox, there's been one attempt to break in. Not successful, <laughs> but there has been an attempt. When it comes down to the, to the kingdom of heaven, there's not been one attempt of anybody <laughs> trying to break into heaven. And so when we look at it, we find that heaven is the most secure place in all of creation. When it comes down to where our treasures are, the Almighty in Messiah now is trying to help us focus on where our priorities should be. And this is where he is saying, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Thieves can break in and steal. They can break in your home. They can break in the bank, rob the bank. Even in the Bitcoin, you know, and I know that's a new trend, that these are cyber currency and there is a whole nother warfare going on called cyber warfare. Where individuals are able to, to, to take uh, and, and break in and hack cyber systems, no matter how secure they are. I was reading about this one guy who had cryptocurrency on a disc and he lost the disc. 
and now he's trying to you know get this 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 city to give him rights to go and dig in the in the uh, in the garbage dump and if he find the disc he's going to pay every citizen in the city and you know but the whole point is is that all that money now is <laughs> is in the dump it's not funny but you know just so he says lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal so the question is how do you lay your treasures up in heaven I mean, how do you do that? And this is, when I read the Bible, I read the Bible not for just a knowledge uh, perspective, but I want to know if, if this is, is teaching that is pertaining to life, how do I do this? Because I want to live, I want to live a, a productive and successful life, not only um, in this realm, but most importantly, I want to please the Almighty in my life. And so, I read the Bible asking questions because it is the answers that I receive that show me how to apply what it is that I'm inquiring about. I don't, I don't, I don't, ex I don't understand a lot of stuff. Let me just put it like that. I don't understand a lot of biblical stuff. I got a lot of teachings. I've heard a lot of preachers. And many of you have heard a lot of teachings and a lot of preachings. And the question is, is how do you apply this stuff? You know, what do I do with these messages? Do I have information and knowledge to have conversations, deep conversations with other people? Or how do I take what I have heard and apply it? Because if, if I can learn the lessons of finances, then it should help me in my finances. If I can learn the lessons on my, on, on my physical body, then it's going to help me with my physical body. If I can learn the emotional lessons that I need to learn, then it's going to help me manage my emotions. Because sometimes in my lifetime, over the course of, of my life, my emotions have gotten all out of whack. I've, I've gotten angry. I've, I've cussed people out. I've reacted violent. I've responded in ways that when I think about it and look back on it, it's embarrassing. <laughs> There's stuff that I wish I could go and, 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 <laughs> and undo, but it's, it's, it's there for the record. And these are the things that people remember. And even when you go to try to change, have, have you ever worked at changing, but people, they, they choose not to look at the change. They want to remember what they remember and in that hold you in a certain place in their mind. You, they can hold you in a certain place in their mind. Don't let them hold you to that place in your mind. Too often people have made the statement, well, you know, what's the point in making the changes? Nobody see it. Nobody appreciate it. So what's the point? Well, who are you making the changes for? The change you make in your life should be for you, for your benefit, not for the benefit of others. Whether they recognize the change or not, it shouldn't affect you wanting to improve your life 
and most importantly, wanting to please the Almighty who gives you life. So Messiah says, well, don't put your treasures in, 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 in the earth, lay them up. Now, I wanted to, you know, I'll show you in a moment, what is he, what is he saying as it relates to lay up, lay up your treasures? He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, that's, there where your, that's where your heart will be. Now, the idea of your heart is where your, where your mind is, where your thinking is. It's, it's, it's where that, that part of you that, that produces responses. That part of you that produces action, reaction. When, when somebody say something to you or somebody do something to you, that, that response, that reaction to what they've said or what they've done comes from your heart. This is why, you know, the Bible tells us that we need to be guarded. We need to guard our hearts with all, all diligence. Because once you let something beyond that barrier of your heart, it affects you and it causes you to respond. Oftentimes, our responses are not thought out responses. They're emotional. We respond and react out of that emotion of the heart without thinking through the response. Because if we take a moment and, and hear, see, you can speak with your actions without opening your mouth. The Bible says be, be slow to speak. But when you respond from your heart, emotionally that is a response that is not thought out and you speak why because actions speak louder than words when you guard yourself then now you can think through and analyze what you're feeling you can analyze what you're feeling, what's going on in your mind, what's, what's, what's happening in your body, and then you determine what is the proper response or what response am I going to respond to that is going to produce the outcome that I desire. Because if I don't think about my response and I simply respond, then the response to my response may be just as bad as my response. Because I haven't thought out what response I want. When I think about it, I'll choose my words carefully. Now I'm slow to speak, not only in my body language and in my action but even in my words, because if I want to resolve an issue, resolve a conflict, then I don't want to put fuel on the fire of the conflict that blows the conflict way out of proportion. Instead, I want to put this fire out. And that's where the Proverbs talks about a soft answer turns away wrath. Not an emotional answer, not an anger answer, but an answer 
that is going to respond or cause the person to tone it down some. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. What, is, what does this mean? The word single there is simple, whole, good, fulfilling its office. Good, fulfilling its office. What many of us may not recognize is that every one of us have an office. Now, you may not know this, but you do. The moment you invite Messiah into your life, the moment you invite, as some would say, Jesus into your life, while you're inviting him, you're confessing him as what? Lord. As Lord, what does that mean? If he's Lord of your life, do he rule or do you continue to rule? Or do you share rulership? The moment you invite him in, you become a representative. If nothing else, you have the office of ambassador. You are an ambassador for him. You are a spokesperson, a representative of him. Just as as a child, we represent the family. As a husband, wife, we represent one another. As a believer, we represent. If you're a denominational believer, you represent your denomination, whatever you believe. If you are of some kind of sorority or fraternity or you're part of some political structure, you represent that structure. And so there are many brands that are on you. As an American, you are a representative of America, whether you see yourself as an American representative or not. As long as you are in the state, you know, if you're in Michigan, you represent Michigan. If you're in North Carolina, and so you have teams and you have uh, mascots, you know, and, and if you've been part of some institution, you are constant representative of that institution and alumni. And so there's all kinds of labels and brands on you already for who you represent, what school you went to. I have people on Facebook who are part of my class of 1976. <laughs> That's when I graduated. And we have a class of 1976, and they have a class of 1977. And all of these individuals, now that they've learned how to get on social media, they're trying to find me. They're looking me up. They're sending me friend requests. Why? I'm a classmate. Now, I haven't been to school since 1976. How are we still classmates? Because that's the label. I'm their classmate. You see. So you have all these labels. If you retired from someplace, you got a label. If you've been part of a military, what branch of military, you are labeled. If you've been part of an organization where you retired, you are retiree. You've got all of these labels on you, and many, especially those who are on fixed income, 
as a retiree, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm retired, y'all. But I, I, there is no retirement plan in the kingdom. You see, I get Social Security. I got Medicaid. But my car says Medicaid. I don't know what your cards say, but that's what they told me. It's on my card. I, I just looked at it yesterday just to make sure before I made this statement. <laughs> you see. And so I am labeled. Matter of fact, when I, when I call, they want to know, you know, what's your name? What's your date of birth? They want to know you're labeled by your Social Security card. You're labeled by your, your, your date of birth. You're labeled by the account number. You, you follow what I'm saying. And so when you call in, it's not, it's not so much you are a name. You have numbers that is associated with that name that identify you as that person. You see. When you take on these labels, then now you, there is an expectation for you to conduct yourself a certain way. To be single of I, Messiah is saying, you have an office. You represent something. Do you know what you represent? Are you representing righteously? Single I is now where you come to realize and recognize what you represent or you've got a lot of focuses. You represent a lot of stuff. So you, you change hats over the course of the day depending on where you are and who you're representing. This is where he's getting at. But if thine eye be evil, now when you read evil, you would think something wicked and evil. But what is he saying? If, if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? What is he saying here? This word evil is full of labors, annoyances, hardships, pressed and harassed. So what is what is it, what does it mean? If 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 I'm singularly focused on the one who saved me, I'm not distracted by all this other stuff that's going on in my life. I'm not distracted by monetary issues. I'm not distracted by agendas. I'm not distracted by the labels that people put on me. I'm not changing hats over the course of the day depending on the environment that I'm in and depending on who I'm dealing with. I'm the same in this environment as I am in this environment. Wherever I am, I'm same. I'm the same representative of the kingdom that I represent and I'm not out here representing the kingdom and representing this entity and that entity and that organization because now what's coming out of my mouth is a variety of conversations in a variety of areas depending on who I'm dealing with. 
He says, if your eye is single, you're full of light. If your eye is single, if you're singly focused, you know what your agenda is. You're focused on that agenda. And no matter where you are or what you're engaged in, you remember who you are. This is who you are. This is who you represent. When do I represent him? 24-7 or on Sabbath? 24-7 or when I'm around Sabbatarians? 24-7 or when I'm listening to this or listening to that or in that environment or in that environment? Who am I? Am I a chameleon? Am I changing depending on who I'm around? Am I allowing folks to pull out of me something that shouldn't be there in the first place? Am I trying to get along? Am I trying to be accepted by this group or be accepted by that that group? Am I putting on some kind of face because I don't want somebody to label me? Because after all, I got enough labels. Yeshua is saying, if, if your eye is, is, is evil, that means that you have a lot of different concerns that is distracting you from your cause. What's your cause? Do you know your cause? Do you know why you're here? Do you know who you represent? Do you know what office you've been called to? Do you know whether or not you are elected? Who elected you? Are you righteous? Whose righteousness are you operating in? Your self-righteousness or in his righteousness or. And so this, this evil is I've got all of these issues. I've got hardships. I've got annoyances. I'm pressed by this. I got, I got husband issue. I got wife issue. I got financial issues. I got, I got job issues. I got home issues. I got business issues. I got children issues. I got physical issues. I got emotional issues. I got mental issues. And these issues are constantly pulling at me trying to force me to focus on it where it's causing distractions for me focusing on what I'm supposed to be focusing on and that leads me into a place of worry, a place of concern, when in actuality it's a big distraction because it's keeping me from focusing on that which is supposed to bring me peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. If you ever have peace that surpasses all understanding, you should be able to recognize when you're not in a place of peace. If you don't recognize when you're not in a place of peace, you're not monitoring yourself very well. Because once you recognize it, that you're not in the place you should be, what should be your motivation? Get in the place I'm supposed to be. This evil, it it brings toils, annoyances, perils of a time full of peril, as it says here in Christian faith, messianic faith and steadfastness, causing pain and trouble, 
bad of a bad nature or condition because see you know when you're irritated you operate irritably you're annoyed you're easily annoyed you're liable to snap on somebody <laughs> it goes even into the place of a physical sense dis diseased or blind and then in an ethical sense evil wicked bad so he says if your light, if, if, if your eye is not single, if you're not singly focused, then you are operating in darkness. It's not that I'm, 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 I'm working for the devil. It's that I, I don't even recognize who I'm working for at that moment. I could be being used by the Almighty, or I could be being used by the devil, but I'm not even aware of who's using me right now. Why? Because I'm not single focus. I've forgotten what manner of man I am. I read my Bible this morning. I prayed this morning, but I'm not walking in that at this moment. Because when I monitor myself, I'm having some challenges. And I'm being annoyed. And part of me just want to check out, disconnect, not be bothered, go into a recluse, retreat, and be left alone. Double-minded. No man can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one. And despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, this idea of mammon as we see here is treasure, riches. This, this deals with money. Now, I'll tell you something about the systems of this world. The kingdoms of this world. Because what the so-called successful kingdoms have been able to establish... In their whole idea of what makes a nation great. One of the things that make this nation great. You've heard it so many times. Whether you recognize it or not. Is a viable middle class. A viable middle class. And so you have people aspiring to be in a middle class bracket. Now what that says is that our nation is based on class. The whole system is based on a class and every one of us have somehow by the system been relegated to a class. Whether you low class, trailer class, hood class, suburban class, urban class, rural class. You've been put in a class. And in that class is where you are expected to operate. Now this whole idea of a class system is based on your economic position. And so successful nations in certain, certain political agendas says 
that if you want to have a successful nation, you have to have a successful middle class. It has a tendency to, to counterbalance and either you have very rich and very poor living side by side or you have a successful middle class and then you got people who can, as, who can ascribe to, to, to get there and this is pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and being in a society to where everybody's got equal opportunities for success. How many of you know that's not the kingdom system. That's a world system. When the Almighty brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he put everybody on the same class. Everybody is on the same class. Everybody was given a house, land, wells. They didn't dig. Houses they didn't build. Trees they didn't plant. And everybody had the same Equal opportunity in the sight of the Almighty and what you did with that opportunity was totally dependent upon how you applied or not apply his law. Everybody was started out at the same place. As a matter of fact, when it came down to the manna, when it came down to Passover, in Egypt, if, 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 if this lamb is enough to, for your family, then by all means, if it's not enough, then you shared with another family so that everybody get equal part. When you go out to, 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 to um, get the manna, you, you get enough for each person. Don't hog it. Don't lay it over. All of these are lessons of equality because in the kingdom, we're all sons and daughters, period. Now, father established within his kingdom, his system of organization when it came down to his priest, his family, and even within the congregation. So he gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's not that anybody is greater than anybody else. It's that everybody has a different function. A wife and a mother is equally as important as a father and a husband. They just have different roles. No, neither is greater than the other. Father gave nobody authority over anybody else. Everyone, everyone has to learn this idea of submission. Before you can submit to anybody else, you first have to submit to the most high. If you can't submit to the most high, you're going to have issues. And this is why you're going to see where he says, put first things first, seek first. Seek first, because if you put anything else first, you're going to have issues. You're not going to know how to deal with these issues because you've put something else first. But when you put him first, guess what? He show you how to deal with these issues. He show you how to navigate whatever issues you're facing. No matter what arena you face those 
issues is. Why? Because he's all wise. He's all knowing. In fact, he'll prepare you before you get there. And then says, don't concern yourself because I'll give you what you need at that very moment. See, Father got this thing all figured out. I don't have to try to figure this out. What I need to do is learn of him. Because he's already got it figured out. While I'm over here trying to figure this out and figure that out and, and, and connect these dots over here and, 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 and learn this and learn that and, and, and get this language under my belt so I can understand this and, you know, get the proper communications and stuff. It's like, it's like, Arthur, I got this. Take my yoke. Learn of me. I've been there. I've done that. I know what's around the corner. I know what's down the road. I know what you have need of long before you even come to the realization you got a need. So he says, you can't serve God and the kingdom system. You can't serve the mammon system. Every nation is based on GDPs. Every nation is based on what it produces as a nation, where its wealth is as a nation. And its product, what it produces, determines the wealth of that nation. Now, how that wealth is managed by those who have authority to manage that wealth is a whole different system. Because this is where you have dictatorships and democracies and autocracies and, and various governmental systems that determine how to deal with the people within that that system the system of the almighty this is the highest order his system his kingdom is the highest order there is no system or kingdom higher in order than his Whatever a man values is where his energy, focus, and attention will be. Monitor where you're thinking. How much time are you spending thinking about relationship? How much time are you spending thinking about money? How much time are you spending thinking about your job? Look at how much time you spend thinking about the word of God. Show me where your focus, attention, and energy is, and I will show you where your treasures are. If you monitor where your focus interests are, you'll see what's got you. Where are your thoughts most of the day? What do you think about during the course of the day? Monitor that. Look at your bank statements. Look at your credit card statements. Look at your Facebook posts. Look at your Twitter feed. Look at your Netflix record. Look at your text record. Look at who and what you follow 
on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. I'm always amazed and sometimes disgusted when I go on certain people's Facebook page and I look at the music they listen to and the movies they like and watch and the people they follow. Because what does that tell you? It tells you their interests. It tells you where their hearts are. It tells you where their thoughts are. It tells you where their feelings and their emotions. It shows you how you can connect to them. It shows you how to offend them. Because if you don't know a person is a Trumpian and you speak against Trump, if you had gone on their Facebook page, you would have known. And you'd have kept your mouth shut when it came down to them. You, you understand what I'm saying? If you, if you check out people's Facebook pages, it will, it will save you a lot of heartache. Even addressing them or adding them as a friend. Because you know, if they post all that nonsense on their page, guess what happens when, you join, when they become your friend? They start posting all that mess on your page. And the way this whole thing works is friends, friend, friends of friends. <laughs> so, so, so Facebook and Twitter has been masterful at creating fake communities. Making you think you got friends when they're virtual. Disconnecting you from reality. You can tell yourself whatever you want, but the records don't lie. There is a record, there is a footprint that you have left. Your creditors know what it is. They watch your spending habits. They know your spending better than you. That's why you get certain emails. That's why you get certain advertisements. That's why certain things show up in your, in your feed. Because analytics, what they've done is that they've been able to tag you, to analyze you, to find out what your interests are by looking at your record. And now they know how to sell you. The bulk of the money we collect in this ministry, 85 to 90% goes back into the ministry to cover operations, payroll, programs, maintenance fees, platforms, social media, advertisements, contract services rendered, and others. The records reflect it. We try to save funds for seeing issues like we had two AC units go out. We were able to pay for them, get them replaced, and you know, Heating and AC units for this kind of a facility ain't like a window air conditioner. <laughs> it don't work like that. In fact, we had an issue with one of our units. We had to shut down the power, had the, 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 the whole, I mean, Lee, Lee spent the whole day with his company. And, and then Duke Energy, we had to tell the, the staff, don't come in today because there would be no power. I mean, we just had a major issue. Unfortunately, we were, sad, we were able to fix that, get that fixed in a day's time without a hiccup. We didn't anticipate COVID-19. 
and the impact it would have on us financially. Fortunately, because of our stewardship management, no one was laid off. We made slight adjustments to our work schedule and payroll, and now we are back to a full scheduled work week. All our bills are paid. We have no debt. Nothing has been shut off. Nothing repossessed. We haven't been threatened with any disconnection. Because of what? Because of management. Management. Being able to allow the Almighty to show us ahead of time what we need to do to put our house in order and keep our house in order. Because even though we didn't see COVID-19, he saw it. He's not taken by surprise by anything that's happening in the earth. And he will reveal to you if you got ears to hear and listen and order your steps every step of the way. So you're not caught unaware with your pants down or whatever. The enemy is always trying to trick you up. But the Almighty got your back. He's trying, to, he's trying to navigate you successfully through this maze called life without any comprehensive damage or, you know, he don't want you to be a fatality. He don't, want, he don't even want you shot by friendly fire. <laughs> we preach a strong, challenging teaching week after week without compromise, and Father has provided for us every step of the way. Despite the fact people have predicted our doom, our gloom, and end, we're still here by the grace, mercy, and providence of Jehovah. Hallelujah. We've staked our claim in heaven, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven with full expectation that the God of heaven is going to back us and provide for us every step of the way. That's where he wants all of us to be. To where our faith, our trust is in him. And we're not worried about what he's going to talk about. What we're going to eat. What we're going to drink. How we're going to pay our bills. Where we're going to stay. How I'm going to get from point A to point B. You know, if you're not, if you're not mindful of these things... You will spend a, a great deal of time in your worry, in your mind, thinking and being concerned about things you have absolutely no control over. None. You couldn't change it if you tried. Worries. He says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. It's like, how are you going to do that? Take no thought for my life. I got to go to work in the morning. I got, a, I got a, a, a car payment to make, an insurance payment to make. I got rent payment or mortgage or I got, I got, I need money. <laughs> See, he says, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat. Really? Or what you shall drink? Seriously? No, yet for your body. No, I need a job with, with, with benefits. <laughs> I need insurance. I got underlying conditions. I got issues. Preconditions. 
You see, we've been groomed by the world to think all this stuff that now dictate to us how we are to maneuver and look for whatever it is that we feel we need. And then we ask God to bless that. And when, when he don't move in accordance to our timetable, we have some challenges. Because if you really think about it and honest with yourself, you do a lot more maneuvering and manipulating and trying to manage and control things than you may be willing to admit. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? And then I would encourage some of you today, let this be a, a homework assignment for you. Read Job 38. Just, just read Job 38 when you, when, you, when you get home. Not now, but later. Because the father is, is about to set Mr. Job straight. I mean, he says, hey, where were you at when I, when I laid all this out? <laughs> now, I love animal kingdom and, and, and watching nature and looking at how nature operates. You know, nature don't function like humans. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there watching a, a, um, a documentary on, on leaf-cutting ants. Now, these are fascinating creatures. The way they, they, they all, they're, they're able to, to cut leaves, and then they take these leaves, which is, I don't know how many times their weight, and take them into their, to their area of habitation, all in a single line and order. And it's like, who taught them that stuff? What school did they go to? The lions, the tigers, the bears. What, what, what education system did they graduate from? How do they know this stuff? See, Father is in control of all of it. This is why a, a baby can come into the world with no worries until we give it to him. Most of the worries you got, somebody gave them. The concerns and issues that you have, somebody, somebody taught you how to, do, how, to, how, to, how to behave and think like that. Some of it was taught by rote. Most of it came with you in that fallen sin nature. And some of it came with you in the nature, image, and likeness of the creator. Over the course of time, whatever the influences in your life is what shaped you and molded you and caused you to become who you are. These are all the different systems, all the different brands and the hats that you've worn over the course of life. 
and you've kind of figured out what kind of work and what didn't work and, and who you can work. <laughs> he says, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. Now, I was in, in this house I was living, every, every year these birds come, and they decide they're going to build a nest. In areas in, in, in my, my, my home, I don't want birds. And, and, and nobody asked me permission. Don't they know? Don't they know this is my property? <laughs> the rabbits, the squirrels, the birds. You try to plant a garden, they come to your house and try to eat your stuff. Now you got to put fence and, and, and you, you got to. I, I have a peach, peach tree the squirrels liked. Pear tree the butterflies liked. And, and before you realize it, these guys have come and ripped you off. While you sleep. Who taught them that? Now, if you did something like that. There would be a problem. But this is the Almighty's way of taking care of his creation. He know how to take care of his creation. And guess what? We are beautifully and wondrously made. We are the greatest aspect of his creation. Still creatures. He says, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feed them. And you know not much better. Are you not much better than they? Are you not much better? This is one of those, hey, y'all, look at the ant. Look, stop, stop. I know you're busy, but look at the ant. There's an order in the ant life that we can learn some things from. Every day, they get up, they do the same thing. The next day, they get up, they do the same thing. The next day, they get up, they do the same thing. Every creature, every day, they get up, guess what? They do the same thing. The only change in, 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 in their, their, their behavior is predators. You, you can tell you know, the, these, these animals that have predators, that's what changes their behavior. And guess what? Every day, they're mindful of the predators. If they're not mindful of the predators, that's their last day. Guess what? We got a predator. Now, they see their predators. They smell their predators. They can sense the presence of their predators, but they're aware. Are you? Says they don't gather into barns. Father feeds them. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his statute? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not. Neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I read the story of when the queen of Sheba came to visit 
Solomon. And, and, and when she saw, what she come to realize is all of the stories and testimonies and eyewitnesses account that she had heard that caused him to be an icon in her eye was nothing compared to what she saw when she came to visit him. She says, you know what? The stories that, they, that I've heard of you and what I'm seeing don't even do justice to what I'm seeing. And Father is saying, Solomon, in all of his array, in all of his glory, didn't compare to those creatures. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the heaven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And there is the issue. Where is your faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? So, now, before Yeshua got into this on the issue of worries, in Luke, someone had asked him a particular question while he was teaching. And Matthew doesn't cover this, but Luke does. It says in Luke 12, 13, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? What was the issue? See, some of us have issues. We, we, we deal with people with issues, especially, you know, when a patriarch or a matriarch passes away and there's children and there's possessions. If children haven't been trained properly and groomed right, they will fight each other. Matter of fact, sometimes children can't wait till the patriarch or matriarch die and get out of the way. Some of them will hasten their exit. Why? Because they're focused on the stuff. Instead of focusing on the wisdom of the matriarch and how they applied that wisdom, that knowledge, and that understanding, to accumulate whatever it is they've accumulated to leave behind. Because see, if you don't have the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding, the inheritance can destroy you. If, if you didn't know how to manage resources and you had a whole lot of resources, you think you got vultures in your life right now? Man, you will find people circling, relatives coming all out the woodworks, friends you, that were long forgotten. Everybody and their mama, their grandmama, their auntie, their niece, their distant cousin got their hands out. And if you don't know, if you don't have the wisdom to manage, because see, if you came into a million dollars or a hundred million dollars, it shouldn't change who you are. Unless who you are is not necessarily solidified in you. Because if money changed you, you don't know you. You have not come to realize who you are. Money got to show you who you are. And by that time, it's too late 
because if you don't realize, as, as, as an old poet once said, a fool and his money will soon depart or part. He says unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. So now we get to the issue, covetousness. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. And then he spoke a parable to drive this point home. He said, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this I will do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But Elohim said unto him, thou fool, this night your soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which you have provided? And then he gets to the heart of the teaching. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God? See, father doesn't have a problem with you having stuff. His problem is, do you put your stuff first? Or do you put him first? After all, it's his stuff. And if you don't understand that, try to take it with you. You can't. All you can do is leave it behind and somebody who didn't earn it. And now the government has set itself up that it's going to get a large chunk of it before anybody else. <laughs> Yeshua's teaching focused on a man who is only thinking of himself and not the kingdom. Enjoy the wealth and possessions bestowed upon you by Jehovah, but put the kingdom first. And here's where kingdom righteousness comes in. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now, here's the difference. A Gentile, brothers and sisters, and I know there are Christians out there, there are people who say, well, you know, a Gentile is a non-Jew. No, a Gentile is a heathen. A Gentile is a pagan. When you come into the kingdom, you're no longer a pagan. You're no longer a heathen. You're now part of the family of Jehovah. And if you continue to identify yourself as a, as a Gentile, you're no different than a, 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 a person who called their, 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 their child a, a kid, a goat. Well, brother, that's just modern day vernacular. No, words have meaning. Some of the most unruly animals, hard to contain animals, are goats. And a kid is a goat. Now, I know Webster is given us an additional meaning, but that's what it is. You have a child who grows to become a young adult. They were never a kid. See, the world around us has given us terminology and language that have changed and perverted the way we see and communicate. And if we allow society to dictate our vocabulary and insert new meanings to words, then our words become confused. And when we speak words, 
those words accomplish things. When you speak a word, that word has power. That word will go forth and it will accomplish. And this is why you have to be mindful of your words. The Bible says we will be held accountable for them. Every one of them. So when you speak a harsh word, that harsh word creates. What does it create? In the ear of the listener or the person you spoke that harsh word is going to cause them to respond according to the harshness or the word that you speak. This is why the Bible says, husbands, don't don't deal with your wives harshly. Why? Because when you deal with your wife harshly, what's going to happen is her response toward you is going to be reciprocal. If you sow it, you're going to reap it. If you want love, show it. If you want kindness, show it. Well, where if they don't show it back? That shouldn't stop you. Why? Because according to our Messiah, we do unto others as we will have them do. Not based on how they do, but as we will have them do. What you sow is what you reap. What you're reaping is what you've sown. You don't like what you're reaping? Look at how you're sowing. And this is not just financial. This is not just monetary. This is in everything, folks. God is not mocked. He didn't put money to this. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. And can I tell you something? Throughout the Bible, the word is considered a seed. Your words are seeds. When you speak words, you're planting. Every word you speak is a seed that is going to bring forth some kind of plant, some kind of harvest. If your words are seeds and you are sowing, then the seeds of the words that you have sown is going to bring a harvest and you better make sure that you know what kind of seeds you are sowing before the harvest come in or you're not going to be happy with the harvest. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Yeshua said earlier concerning prayer. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. He's very mindful of where you are and what you need. And then he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, this word seek is to seek in order to find. Yeshua is going to speak later in the next chapter about seek, ask, seek, and knock. He's going to talk about this and give us a little more insight. But here is that saying, you got to be looking for the kingdom. You got to be looking. So you're seeking it in order to find what are you looking for? You're looking for kingdom. You're looking for his kingdom. And what? His righteousness. So you're seeking first. Why first? It's in first in time or place. This is what you're putting first every single day, all day. 
every single day, all day. If you're not mindful of it, you will not be doing it. Righteousness. In a broad sense, the state of him who is as he ought to be righteous. And this is the condition acceptable to the most high. In other words, you want to be acceptable to him all day, every day. All day, every day. There should not be, think about it if you had a child and that child went out there and embarrassed you. You are Jehovah's child. You have to be mindful that you are his child and every day, all day, you are representing him. He shouldn't be embarrassed by your behavior, by your conduct. John the Baptist came preaching repentance. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent ye, why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John came to usher in this kingdom. Yeshua says, seek first this kingdom. John came to usher in this kingdom with what? Words. He came as a voice, a voice crying out in the wilderness. When John was put in the prison, the Bible says Yeshua from that time, Yeshua began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where is this kingdom? This kingdom is in you. So if I'm going to be seeking the kingdom first, what am I, where am I looking? I'm looking within. Why? Because if the kingdom has come, if the kingdom has come, where is the kingdom at? The kingdom is, is within. So what am I looking at? I'm looking what's in me. I'm looking what's in me. And how does what in me line up with, with the words of the kingdom? Because any area in me that is not in alignment with the word of the kingdom, then I have to make some adjustments in me. Now I got to get this kingdom in me fully so that I now operate as a kingdom citizen, constantly reminded of who and whose I am. So neither John nor Yeshua's teaching were designed to build on what was. Why? Because he says repent. See, what was already existed. There was religion. There was systems of religion. There was denominations. There was preachers. There was teachers. There was Pharisees, Sadducees. There were scribes. There were Herodians. There were wise people. There was the, there was the Torah. There was, there was religious and Jewish teachings. All of that stuff existed. And John says, listen, you guys are in a kingdom but it's not his kingdom and his kingdom is not out there. His kingdom will come in you. Now it's at hand. So how do you receive it? I have to abandon the things that I know so that what is to be known can be made known. And once I do that, I no longer operate by what I've known, I now have a renewing of the mind process so that I can learn how to become this new creation that the Almighty is trying to make. And there's the conflict. Because when you come to that place, you already got a lot of knowledge. You got, you got behavior patterns. You got mindsets. You got attitudes, 
You got issues. You got history. You got past. You got people you got past with. You got folks who know you and want to hold on to what they know. And the Almighty is saying, listen, no. All things have to become new because you can't take that into the kingdom. The kingdom comes in you and get rid of all that. It's not about building on what was. It was about tearing down and building anew. Every last one of us got foundation issues. You know, I, I look at my, my, my family, my, my, my sons, my daughters, and, and my wife and my siblings, and they all have their view of me. I got my view. The person that I have focused on in the past is outside of me. Today, I'm focusing in me. You see, that's why I'm focusing on. Why? Because if I, if I work on focusing on in me, then I can allow Father to show me how to properly focus and respond to the things that are outside of me. Otherwise, I will allow my history. You see, every last one of us got history. I have to work at not holding people to their past. I certainly want people to not hold me to their past, to my past, but I have to work at that. And it's hard to do that as long as I got the memory. But as I allow Father to deal with me, then now I can make these adjustments that I need to make in order to walk in the authority and the power and the love without trying to diminish the people around me. Because see, here's, here's what we do. We all have control issues. We have self-control issues. And then we want to control our space. We want to control our environment. We want to control our world. And thus, we want to control the people in our world. I'm not trying to control people in my world no more. I'm just trying to get them out. <laughs> you see, that's what I'm trying to do. It's like, you know, I'm trying to control my, 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 my space. And I have to be mindful of the things that disrupt it. So that I can maintain and not be pulled out of self-control. And this is what happens. People affect our self-control by, by their behavior. Which is why we have to be mindful of the people that we allow in our space. I'm not trying to control you, but don't come in here trying to control me. Because there will be resistance. So how do we can maintain control? Well, you stay in your space. I stay in my space. And we come in each other's space. Let's mutually respect one another. I'm not going to disrespect you in your space. 
At least I'm going to try not to. And if I do, then I need to acknowledge that and get right. In my space, you know, if you don't like what's happening in my space, you're free to exit. Just like I'm free to exit yours. Right? That's why we be wanting to get our children out the house. Because we know they want their own space. We know they want to do their own thing. We know they want to learn their own way. Learn their own lessons. Make their own mistakes. Deal with the embarrassment of those mistakes. Not wanting anybody to know they've made those mistakes. And the biggest mistake we make as a people is that we don't learn from the mistakes of others. This is the wisdom of the kingdom. The wisdom of the kingdom is the older men, the older women, teach the younger men, teach the younger women. Teach them how to respect themselves. Teach them how to respect their husbands. But how, and their wives, but how can you do that if you don't? I'm almost done. So neither Yeshua or John came to build on what was. Their teachings require a dismantling of the status quo teachings and putting first things first. So, here's, here's some lessons Yeshua was trying to teach. Don't focus on Israel. Today, people are focused on Israel. They're focused on Israel for biblical prophecy. They're focused on Israel for a lot of reasons. And a lot of the things that folks have come up with, they don't even realize that they're focusing on the wrong thing. They're looking at, they're looking at signs to interpret. A wicked and adulterous generation do what? Look for signs. Don't focus on the temple. Well, you can't focus on the temple now, but it doesn't stop people from teaching about the temple. To focus on the temple, to learn the lessons of the temple. What's the lessons of the temple? It was, and now it is no more. This is the temple, brothers and sisters. And guess what? This temple is not like the, the, the temple that people want you to focus on. Now, this is hard, but you should sure just sit. Don't focus on your life. This is another one. This was big in the, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s growing up. Focus on the family. Don't focus on the family. What do you mean don't focus on the family? That's the, that's the foundation of Christianity. Your first focus should be Jehovah and his kingdom. And he will then show you where your focus should be on in all those things. That's what he will show you. Here's father's love language. How many of you remember the love language? Father's love language is obedience. You want, you want, you want to know father's love language like you want to know your wife or your husband's love language? Father's love language is obedience. After all the teaching Yeshua did, the disciples focused on Israel and Yeshua had to refocus them before he ascended. This is why he said in Acts 1.5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days since. When they therefore will come Together they asked of him, saying, Lord, would thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Was it not for them to know then, or still not for them to know now? Was this a, a word in season? 
I think it's a word for today. Don't focus on Israel. Where is your focus? The kingdom. Which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When we seek first the kingdom of Jehovah, we put his kingdom and him first. We become his witness. Our focus is the gospel of the kingdom first and foremost. When we focus on what he wants us to focus on, he take of the things that try to consume our focus. He take care of the things that try to consume our focus. Verse 34, take therefore no thought for the, for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So here's some, here's some things that, that I do and I would encourage you to, to consider. Each day I wake up, I give praise. I get on my face before him and worship. My thoughts each and every day is this. How can I please Jehovah today? I, I carry this over the course of the day. How can I advance his kingdom today? I think about this all day long. What can I do to advance his kingdom today? These are questions that I ask myself and I ponder. What can I say to advance his kingdom today? This is communications that I will have with people, whether it be my wife, whether it be my children, whether it be people that I interact with, wherever I may be. What platforms or tools can I use to advance his kingdom today? How do I use YouTube to advance his kingdom? How do I use Facebook to advance his kingdom? How do I use Twitter to advance his kingdom? How do I use my website to advance his kingdom? What about my phone when I'm talking on the phone? What about my text? How do I use my voice? What's coming out of my mouth? How am I, mon am I monitoring what I'm saying? Is what I'm saying advancing his kingdom? I look at the resources that I am a steward of, whatever that resource may be. My motivations each day is to use every tool, every resource in my arsenal to seek first and to advance his kingdom each and every day, looking for any and every opportunity to advance his kingdom without getting entangled in disputes entangled in arguments, entangled in debates, or distractions. I try to be keenly aware of the wiles and the schemes of the devil to get me sidetracked or to trap me. I work at avoiding contentious people, people with attitudes, areas where I lack understanding or knowledge, I try to be quick to hear when he speaks, slow to speak and giving an answer in response to something that comes at me before mentally inquiring of Jehovah how I should answer or respond. I work hard at which requires me being keenly aware of my own feelings, thoughts and attitudes about a matter I may be confronted with at any moment during the course of my day. I try hard not to rely on my past wisdom in any matter 
knowing that each and every circumstance or issue I may be faced with at any moment of the day will require a now word and a now leading by the Holy Spirit. My goal each day and every day, all day long, is to be in tune with him that he may order my steps and give the words to speak in any given moment. In my short 62 years, here's what I've learned. I am an ambassador of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of men. I am a kingdom asset. The devil is real. The devil is an adversary who is in opposition to the agenda of the kingdom, both foreign and domestic, who uses each and every person who give place to him. People are not my adversary. Everyone around me have an agenda they are trying to achieve and will use whomever they can to accomplish their agenda, including me. Kingdom-minded people can also have worldly agendas. During the course of my day, from start to finish, I must be focused on the kingdom of Jehovah and how to please him so that at the end of the day, when I assess and evaluate my day, and I do this every day, I know he is pleased with how I have conducted myself and represented him for that day. If there is anything I see in my assessment or evaluation of the day that is displeasing to him, I must get right with him and whomever before I go to bed. Tomorrow, I repeat, just like the ant, get up. Next day, get up. Some may say that's boring. Well, that's what Yeshua did. And his life wasn't boring. At least it doesn't look like it was boring. But every day, he was constantly focused on the agenda of the kingdom. Every day, even if you have a job, understanding the kingdom and the requirements of a kingdom citizen you're going to be the best employee or the best boss or you're going to work at being the best employee or the best boss. Why? Because even though you may be serving in this capacity, you represent him. Father in heaven, I thank you for this teaching today and this time today. Help us to take these lessons, glean, learn, and apply. Glean, learn, and apply. Show us how that we may be found pleasing in your eyes from this day forward, each day, all day. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at ArthurBaileyMinistries.com. 
Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.